just a moment, I'm going to invite you to either follow along on the, the screens behind me, or if you have your Bible with you, want to open it up. We're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, before we do that, I want to do another special blessing this morning. Uh, we have had a, a month, a little over a month, where we've really intentionally focused on some of the ministries of the church that, uh, that have an impact on the life of children. Certainly Operation Christmas Child last month uh, was a major focus of that. We have that mission meeting I told you about uh, to the orphanage in Ecuador. So that's a ministry that God's working and planting here among us. And then this past Saturday, well, just yesterday, I shouldn't say this past Saturday, yesterday, we had our Dog Days of Summer event at the YMCA pool. We know many of you were there. Many of you um, supported this in other ways. But um, part of the, the ministry, the mission behind uh, you know, what is also just a good time and hanging out and enjoying a wonderful lunch together uh, is, is gathering and collecting supplies to be put together for backpacks to meet the needs of kids at Blackburn Elementary School. And so that is a part of the heart of that. And so what you see up here this morning are just a few of the school supplies. We didn't bring them all out. It would have flooded the, the altar rail, and we wanted to leave some space for prayer this morning. But, um, but these are some of the, the supplies that you have donated, um, either brought out or some of the money that you gave. And this is going to go to kids at Blackburn. And so we want to do, I want to do something, because this is the week um, that summer vacation ends, at least for our teachers and our students. So we want to do a blessing this morning for them and for the kids that will be blessed by this ministry. So I want to start with this now. A number of our youth just snuck out the back door because I saw them go off to Sunday school. Uh, But any of our kids, how many kids are going back to school this week? Stand up kids that are in here. Where are some of the kids that are going back? I see a few, a few that are going back. They're either smiling or crying. Um, All right. Now I want to ask to join them. Our school personnel, I mean teachers, bus drivers, um, administrators, any, anybody that was homeschool teachers, if you are involved in some aspect of education on any level, I want to ask you to stand. Would, would you all please stand? All right. I want you to look around because some of these are the folks you need to be praying for all year long um, as, as they go through and our kids. And I want to, okay, thank you. Thank you all very much. I want us to, to just do a blessing and in each service, and we have you know, a ton of kids that are in children's ministry right now, and they're, as I said, they're either really excited or they're really sad um, this week, but everybody heads back, and so we want to do a a prayer for them and for these, the children that will receive these blessings. So let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we recognize this is, this is a week of, of a new beginning, a new opportunity, a new year, and uh, we pray for your blessings on this school year as it begins. We pray for, for our kids, the kids of this church family, Uh, that go back to school this week, and and the excitement and the energy and the nerves that they may feel. We pray for them that this would be a a wonderful year of growth, of of development, of of friendships, and and of of joy, and experiences that will bless them and shape them for years and years and years years to come. So we, we pray for kids, and we pray for the kids in our community, well beyond the walls of this church or even the the parameters of this immediate parish area, but throughout the county and throughout the state, throughout the country this week, those that go back, bless these kids. Lord, we pray for each of these adults and so many others that are involved in this line of, of, you know, we we tend to call it work or a job, but, you know, for so many, we know it's, it's a calling. Bless their calling in whatever way that they touch young lives, that, that you would give them the 
the patience when it is needed, that you would give them the stamina when it is running short, that you'd help them see through the eyes of Christ that in each life and each young person that they would see the potential and the opportunity and, and the need and bless the moments that they have. Be with them today and throughout the year. Lord, finally, we pray for a blessing of these supplies. Not for the supplies themselves, but for the children that will receive them. We don't know where they will go. You do. And we pray for those kids that not only will they receive a a tangible material need, but they'd know in their heart that there are people that love them. And they'd know in their heart that Jesus loves them. So bless them. Bless this new year. And bless the days that will follow. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All righty. Now, I didn't talk about um, how the kids are. I did talk about how some of the kids are, are crying and sad this morning. I did not talk about the smiles on some of the parents' faces um, this morning as, uh, as, school, as school begins again. We're going to uh, move right into to our scripture. Oh, you know what I didn't talk about? Yesterday, you all you may see the pictures on Facebook. Um, I took one for the team. I suffered for Jesus yesterday. If you saw the pictures... I was, as you all know, I was the target of the water balloon toss. There was no toss. It was the water balloon um, pelting. Um, It was the closest thing to being stoned I hope I ever experienced. Um, And this was the shirt they made me wear. And they put dye in the balloons. Now, they doctored the shirt a little bit. But it says, aim here. I'm going to tell you, parents, some of you are raising demon children. I'm just telling you right now. Because they didn't aim for the shirt. They aimed for the head. And, um, and I took it, and uh, next year I'm wearing a helmet uh, if I do it again. But it was, I would say it's a lot of fun, but that's kind of a lie. It was a little bit fun and a little bit painful, uh, but it was all for a good cause. And I told, I told um, Lauren, who, who organized, and, and the special events team, those of you that were on the special events team, thank you. Y'all did a tremendous job with that yesterday. Um, but uh, I, told, I told Lauren, I said, I'll do it again. It is going to take me a year, but I'll do it again. So uh, anyway, all right, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This morning. I'm just going to read um, the first six verses here. But this entire chapter is it's a chapter about faith. And throughout the chapter, Paul um, lifts up some of the heroes of the faith. And we're going to talk about that in a little more detail this morning. But let me just kind of begin by introducing this chapter to us, beginning at verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could be found, or he could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And let me read this last verse. By faith Noah, when he warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he became a, an heir to the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Brothers and sisters, we pray here God's blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we pray for faith. 
We pray for your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. We pray that we would have hearts that are open and ears that are willing to hear and be receptive to your word. And I pray your blessing on these moments that you would shape us into the very likeness of Christ our Lord. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. It was last summer this time, if you were here, that you, that you um, well, you know that it was last October, actually, that I went to, uh, to China. I was in China and Korea for, for a few weeks. Uh, but it was last summer, about this time, that, that one of the guys in the group that I traveled with uh, circulated an email, actually something on Facebook, and it was about a new tourist destination in China. We weren't sure that we were going to be near, but he wanted to make us aware in case we had an opportunity to go. It was in central China. And it is a, um, it's an, a canyon, uh, a kind of a tourist stop, a, a scenic overlook at a canyon there in central China. But what they did is they spanned on this canyon between two edges of, or, or two ledges, I guess you will. They spanned it with a long bridge that you could walk across to get from one side of the canyon to the other. That's not uncommon. It's a bridge that was about 350 feet in the air. The difference on this one, it is a glass bridge completely made glass. In fact, Andrew, I put some pictures in there. If you go to that first picture for me, um, that's the bridge. That's the span. Um, it is called, at least in English, the Nope Bridge, N-O-P-E, as in Nope. Go back to number one. Go back to one, Andrew. Don't, you know, just keep it there for a sec. It's called the Nope Bridge, as in Nope, I'm not walking across that. Um, and we started to talk about whether or not if we were there, uh, who would have the, the courage to walk across? Some people, some of the group said, there's no way. Some of us are very brave when we're on the ground, and we said we would do it. We didn't get a chance to. I wish I could tell you, t- show you pictures of actually being there. We didn't end up in that part of China. But, uh, but it began to talk about this bridge. Well, it was about a week or so before we left that we read this story. Andrew, go to picture number two. This picture. Now, this picture may not make a lot of sense to you. What that is is shattered glass because a portion of the bridge shattered while people were on it. Somebody dropped a mug, and you know how glass shatters. It shattered an entire square section of, of the bridge. Um, it caused, as you are not surprised to hear, mass panic, because it reverberated throughout the bridge, and people began to scream and scramble for the edges. Now, at no point was anybody's life in danger. That was the top layer. It's, it's built with these kind of protections. Nobody was ever at risk. But had I been on the bridge, I would have been trampling people to get off the bridge, too. (laughs) And so we thought, well, maybe it is a nope bridge for a reason. Um, But I started to think about that, that that image um, of of a glass bridge, especially when when you're not sure the foundation is going to hold. But the idea of of a glass bridge is that to create the illusion that you're not on anything secure, to, to, to make it very apparent, easy for you to see what's around you, what's underneath you, the depths, the dangers, the risks, and uh, to create that anxiety about whether or not the foundation that you walk on is sure. And so people approach that bridge differently when they cross. Andrew, go to picture number three. There's three ways you can cross the bridge. One is, I love this picture, is on your hands and knees. Now you see they're not even allowed to wear their shoes on the bridge. Um, You know, I don't know that I want to walk a bridge I have to take my shoes off for, but okay. But on your hands and knees, the other is, is kind of holding on to the side. And then there are those who, who walk confidently, who have no fear. Some of you are this kind of people. You just say, no big deal. You just go right across. 
And, uh, and then there's fourth. The fourth picture was my favorite. Go to number four, Andrew. Some people have to be dragged <laughs> by their friends. But, but it, I sort of think about that as, and that's good, Andrew, thank you, as, a, as a, an image, a metaphor for life, this reality that, that our walk in life very often finds us in any of those places. And there are times that we do, we walk confidently. Things are good, life is good. Um, you know, we're, we're, just, we're just full of the confidence of God, the confidence of what we're doing, the confidence of ourselves, and we walk boldly. And, uh, and there's times that we're clinging, whether it be to a friend or to the, to the railing, that we're starting to become a little uncertain. And there are times life drives us to our knees, and we're just... You know, whether it's in prayer or just in feeling like we're kind of groping, groping our way through because it just feels like everything's coming at us. But the, the challenge of a, of a glass bridge is, is the challenge of life. It's the challenge of faith. And that is, it, it, sometimes life takes our eyes off the security of our foundation, the security of the ground underneath us, if you will, if you want to think of faith that way, and we become fixed on the dangers. We become fixed on the, on the risks and the things that are, that are coming at us, and our eyes become fixed on what we can see. Paul says faith is, is the confidence of things that are in, in things that are unseen, but, but that's easy to say. It's very hard to do when life is coming at us. We become fixed on the things that are going on around us. You know, I, I think about sometimes the things that challenge our faith. The friends that we have, the acquaintance we have, we have the neighbors that we have that have no faith, have no belief, no, no trust in anything sacred, but you know what? Life's good for them. In fact, they're getting a lot of breaks that we might not be getting. And things seem to be really great in their life if we're struggling in ours. And we begin to see the dangers around us. Or, or a world that has become increasingly hostile to people of faith, that is increasingly... Um, trying to undermine that which we believe in, the world around us that wants to, to say to us that, that your faith is misplaced, it's a crutch, it's unnecessary, it's old superstition, and begins to chip away at, at the foundations of, of what we have rooted our life in. We, become, we begin to see the, the dangers, if you will, around us. Sometimes they're close to home. Sometimes they're the things we're going through when life is not good, when, when the job isn't working out, the relationships aren't working out, the opportunities we'd hoped for, the kids are going off the reservation. When, when we've, lived, we've lived lives of faith, we've trusted in God, we've believed that we've been obedient, and yet things aren't, begin, aren't working out the way that we think they should. And again, we begin to see, and our eyes become fixed in the wrong places, and we begin to lose trust in the foundation in which God has planted and rooted us. And it is into this that Paul speaks. It is into this challenge that Paul begins to address the church and that Paul begins to address us when he says those words that, that faith is the assurance of things that are, that are unseen. He's challenging us to remember that, that we see deeper. We see differently. We see beyond. We're called in Christ to see beyond what the present realities may be. Because those present realities are, are temporary and very often they're deceiving. But do we have a deeper faith? What happens is we become myopic. We see, we see we're nearsighted. We see short. We see what's right in front of us. And, and I started to think that, that God calls us to be farsighted. But the reality is God calls us to, to not even trust what we see, but to trust in him in the presence of what we're experiencing. To not be fooled by our eyes. 
And so in that, Paul begins to highlight some of the, the heroes of the faith. That, that's part of what this chapter is sometimes called, the, the heroes of the faith. And if I'd read the entire thing, Paul talks, as you heard, he talks about Cain. talks about Enoch. He talks about Abraham. He goes on, and I just read that portion where introduced, and he talks about Noah. He'll go on to talk about Joshua. He talks about Rahab. Uh, he, he mentions David and Samson. What he's doing is he's tracing the stories of his people, the stories that many of us grew up in Sunday school learning or we've heard in church. If you've been somebody, you know, you're somebody who's attended church for any number of years, you may know those stories. Some of you may not. But the, the heroes of the faith and what Paul says is these are the men and women who lived by faith, who took steps of faith and did the things that seemed to challenge what their eyes would tell them. Noah, who built an ark when the skies were clear. Abraham, who stepped out into the unknown when God called him to leave the land that he knew and to go, and he didn't even tell him where he was going. And he tells him that he would be a great nation when he doesn't even have any kids that his ancestors would be more numerous than the stars in the sky, and he hadn't even had a child. But yet, he trusted. David, who faces a giant, and Rahab, who hides spies. Cain, who brings his best offering to God. Over and over, we see these examples of these men and women of faith, and we tend to, to celebrate that, as we should. They become examples for us, and that's what Paul wants but I want to warn us of a danger that I think we fall into. Is that we very often, because we celebrate faith, the faith of those who are around us all the time. We lift up the models and the examples and the great men and women of faith. And I hope there are people in your life that, that have shaped you, have impacted you, that have been wonderful examples of faith. But, th but there's a danger that we fall into and in that we begin to equate faith with success. We begin to equate faith with success. And as the church, and, and as a pastor, and those of us in ministry, sometimes we're the most guilty of this. Because what we'll do, we'll turn on the television, and we'll watch a, a show, a, a Christian show on TV, or we'll have somebody come up and give testimony. And what we're going to do is we want to pull the, uh, the successful businessman or woman who's put their faith in Jesus, and their company's made millions of dollars, and they've achieved the, the pinnacle of success. And we want to say, this is what faith looks like. Or we pull up the athlete who's won the Super Bowl, or, or won the NBA championship, who set the records, and we say, this is what faith looks like. And we highlight the success of people. And we give God glory for success. I'm not saying God's hand isn't in that. But faith does not equal success. And our failure is that we somehow equate these two. So here's what happens when life isn't successful. When we start to see the dangers and the problems and the difficulties, what happens? Our faith begins to give way because, well, I must not be faithful. Or God's promises aren't true because we've misunderstood what faith looks like. I will tell you one of the most angry moments of my entire life, and by God's grace I kept my mouth shut, but was when a woman said to me many, many years ago when my mom had cancer, if she had more faith, she'd be well. I, I wish I was making that story up, but that was true. And um, I just walked away. Because I, and I'm not usually that smart, but in this case I was. And I walked away as if somehow her illness was an indication of her faith. Why? Because if we have faith, bad things don't happen. We're successful, right? I had a woman, another story, I walked in when I was a chaplain at, in seminary. And uh, I walked in uh, to a hospital. One of the things at the hospital that we did as chaplains is we would ask people if they'd be willing to be organ 
don't, if they donate organs uh, in the case of, of their death. And that was always a delicate subject to breach. Um, but I had a conversation with a woman once. She said, I can't um, donate my organs because of my faith. And I thought maybe she had a faith. You know, I didn't quite understand what that meant. She said, well, if somebody is sick, it's because that's God's will for them. And if I donate my organs, I'm undercutting God's will. And I went, really? And I thought, you're sick. Um, <laughs> but I, again, I just left that conversation. We've just, we, we've misunderstood. And I think when we go deeper into to this, these examples of faith, we begin to understand a deeper truth of what faith means. Because think about Abraham. God promised that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars in the sky, but he died without ever seeing that. He died with one legitimate child and one what we'd call illegitimate child. Noah built an ark, but boy, he got mocked and righted for it. David was a great king, but he had moments of great failure and, and disobedience. We could go through the list over Moses, who led his people out of bondage in, in Israel, I mean in Egypt, dealt with their whining and their complaining and their misbehaving throughout his life. I mean, there are great moments of, of, of times when life doesn't seem all that grand and successful for these great heroes of our faith. And it's true because faith isn't trust in the immediate it's trust in God's plan. It's trust in God's provision. It's trust in God's presence, even when the walls seem to be caving in on us. See, the difference is, in fact, I want you to, to hear what Paul writes at the end of the chapter. I want you to hear this, because I think it's a great challenge for me, and maybe it is for you. He says, what more, he's listed through these heroes of the faith. And he picks up at verse 32. He says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon. Barak, Samson, uh, goes on to talk about David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, this is, what, this is what he says they did through faith. They conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They won powerful battles. They rooted armies. Women received back the dead, raised to life again. I want you to think about that. That's what we want, right? That's what faith, that's a picture of faith that we love. Lions, the mouth of lions are shut. We win victories. We conquer armies. Uh, the dead are raised. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, if you have faith, all this great stuff happens. And if Paul ended there, we'd have every reason to believe that's what faith looked like, that kind of success. But faith, Paul doesn't end there. Paul never ends there. He has to keep going. And so he does. In verse 35, but there were others. Again, when he says others, people of faith, people of faith who were tortured refused to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in tune. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. Oh, this is happy stuff. Um, the, word was not wor the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, which of those two groups, the first half or the second half, would you rather be a part of? I'd much prefer to shut the mouths of lions than be eaten by them. But he goes on to say, these were all commended for their faith. They all were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that 
only together with us would they be made perfect. What's Paul saying? They were still people of great faith. And it didn't always work out the way they may have wanted, but they trusted in God's greater plan. They trusted in God's sure foundation, even when they couldn't see the evidence of that. Faith isn't about the success. It's about trusting in the victory, but it's not always our victory. It's God's victory through Christ that we're invited to receive, to experience. To walk by faith and to trust in the, the bridge that we're on, even when it doesn't seem so secure. Because that is our challenge, not God's. His promises are true. And so go back to those heroes of the faith. Think about their great victories. Abraham, who became a mighty nation. Was that his victory? No. That was just his story. His victory was the moment he stepped out of the certainty of where he was and into the unknown. Noah, his victory, was it when the rains came and the ark was lifted off the dry ground? No. Noah's victory was his faith, and it was, li it was lived out the first moment he drove a nail into a board and trusted in God's promise. David's victory, was it when he slew the giant or became king of the nation? No. It was the moment he picked up the stone and trusted in God's promise in spite of what he saw because the odds were ridiculously against him. We could go on and on. Joshua in the battle of Jericho, was it when the walls came down? No. It was when they took the first step and blew the first horn. Over and over and over again. The stories of faith are not the stories of the success on the back end. It's a story of trust throughout. It's a story of trust that got the first step taken. Moses, was his victory when he led the people out of Egypt? No. It was the moment that he left the burning bush and stepped back into a country that he was wanted as a fugitive. These are the moments of faith. Moments of faith, nothing about what they saw would say that anything those heroes of faith did made any sense. We would have talked them all out of it had we been there. And if we'd been their best friends, we'd have said, Moses, you're crazy. Abraham, you're nuts. David, hide. That's what we'd have done. But they lived faith. We're called to live faith, to trust in God's promise, to trust in the foundation, our rock, which is Christ Jesus. And sometimes... That trust will challenge what we see and it will challenge what we're experiencing, but it is no less true. It is no less sure. By faith, we, are, we celebrate the stories of Abraham and Noah and David and Rahab. But we're invited to live those same kind of stories, to live that same kind of faith, to take that step and to trust in God's promise. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we... Uh, we are challenged by these stories of faith because it's not an easy life. It's not easy to, to trust in you when it seems like the walls are caving in on us. But Lord, that's exactly what you invite us to do. To trust in your promises, to trust in your provision, to trust in your victory, to know that we are always in the very palm of your hand and that this story has been written. The ending is promised. And we're invited to be a part of that, to trust in your power. Lord, help us to do that. Give us your grace and your strength and your presence to do that and to walk by faith. That is our prayer in Christ Jesus. Amen.